Welcome to this special installment of the Convivial Society. This summer, as it became evident that the global pandemic was exposing the weaknesses of many of our institutions, it seemed like an auspicious time to revisit the work of Ivan Illich. Of course, if you've been following the newsletter for any amount of time at all, you know that I think any time is an auspicious time to be reading Illich. In any case, I decided to use the newsletter to organize an Illich reading group. As a part of that experiment, I reached out to the philosopher of technology and friend of Ivan's, Carl Mitchum, to see if he might be willing to talk with me for a bit about Illich and his work. I thought that would be a great way to launch the group. Little did I know that I would soon find myself enveloped by the hospitality of Illich's friends and collaborators, each person I spoke with offering to connect me with another in the worldwide Illich diaspora. It did not take me too long to realize that I had felicitously stumbled onto a rather unique opportunity to gather together an oral history of Ivan Illich's life as told by his friends. Thus far, I've posted my conversations with Carl Mitchum and the scholar and activist Gustavo Esteva, who has brought Illich's work to bear in his labors with the indigenous people of Oaxaca, Mexico. These interviews were initially connected with the reading group on the paid side of the newsletter, but while I'll keep experimenting with the reading group there, I've brought these interviews out to the public side. I have a few other conversations in the works, which I'll be posting in the coming weeks and months, but today I'm happy to pass along my conversation with Governor Jerry Brown. Governor Brown is best known, of course, for his four terms and the late 70s and early 80s, and then in the last decade as governor of California, and for his bid for the Democratic presidential nomination in 1992. Between his stints as governor, Jerry Brown also served as the Attorney General of California and the Mayor of Oakland. Currently, he's a visiting professor at Berkeley and chair of the California-China Climate Institute. On top of all of this, though, Brown was a close friend of Ivan Illich's and a careful student of his work. I first learned of Governor Brown's friendship with Illich a couple of years back when I stumbled upon the transcript of a talk radio show, We the People, hosted by Brown, on which Illich and Carl Mitchum were guests. It's a wonderful conversation, and I encourage you to read through it. There's a link on the website. The homepage of We the People's website, which is still live, is a tribute to Illich written by Governor Brown after Illich's passing in December of 2002. Brown also wrote a letter to the New York Times, taking issue, justly in my view, with the rather dismissive obit the paper ran for Illich on the occasion of his death. My thanks, then, to Governor Brown for taking the time to share his recollections with me about Illich's life and his work and to Evan Westrup for his help in making the conversation happen. I hope you enjoy listening to the exchange. You can look forward to others like it over the next few months. Also, you can expect the next regular installment of the newsletter within the next day or two. Additionally, if you click over to the newsletter, you'll find all the links to the various texts I just cited. Thank you for listening. Well, Governor Brown, thank you so much for, for your time, and I'm, I'm delighted to have you here. Um, I've, I've been involved a little bit this summer in speaking with some of uh, Ivan Illich's friends over uh, the past uh, few weeks here, and um, it's, it's occurred to me that I've, I've stumbled upon the opportunity to 
put together something like an oral history of uh, Yvonne and his friends. And so I'm really glad to have you take a small part in that. And I think the first question I've been asking those who I've, who I've interviewed is simply, how did you meet Yvonne? And what were the, the circumstances of your uh, beginnings of your friendship with him? Uh, I met Yvonne uh, at the uh, Green Gulch Zen uh, Monastery in Marin County, outside of San Francisco. And it was sometime in the mid-70s. Might have been 77. He was there as the guest of Dick Baker, who was the abbot at the time. And we spent some time uh, talking. We walked uh, a bit. And I do recall one thing he said. He talked about gainful unemployment. And he could never quite explain what that was. Uh, but it was something different than uh, mainstream ideas. That I was pretty clear about. Mm-hmm. Had you been at that point already fairly familiar with his work, or was that basically your, your first introduction? No, I, to... I'd read, I, I was aware of his work. I'd read yeah. some books. And at that point, um, Tools for Conviviality, Deschooling Society, had come out, I think maybe also Energy and Equity. Um, what, what was it about, about his work that had attracted you to him? The number one point, was the first point, would be the uh, de-schooling mm-hmm. and the idea that there was something better and different than the schooling system. And it wasn't exactly clear, uh, but he wrote, I think, a very readable, interesting, uh, provocative uh, crit- uh, criticism and description of what this artificial environment called learning uh, in graded classes for 40 or 50 minutes uh, sequencing people as they went through uh, to graduation and uh, taking drawing out of it, uh, not who succeeded at the top, but who falls away in mm-hmm. fourth grade, fifth grade, eighth grade, uh, 11th grade, depending upon whether you're in a developed society or a lesser developed country, where, of course, people leave school much earlier. But the point was that that was the first time I had heard someone uh, questioning Mm -hmm. uh, schooling itself. Now, it wasn't really the first time because I'm not sure about the sequence, but I also read uh, Compulsory Miseducation, uh, which was a book by the same author as Growing Up Absurd. Are you familiar with that book? I, I'm familiar with the title, and the, and the name escapes me as well. Go, go, go to your internet. You go to your go to your internet. Yeah. You'll find on Google. Uh, but anyway, that's a similar book. Uh, Paul Goodman. Yeah, that was yes. Paul Goodman. And he knew he, uh, Yvonne had met him, as I learned later. Mm-hmm. But so somewhere I'd come across, uh, I believe, an article uh, about deschooling, and another one uh, that. Uh, was about suffering, and I think it was perhaps an earlier uh, version or a piece of what became Medical Nemesis. Mm-hmm. But he was talking about the human the human situation and how human beings, uh, it's not a question of uh, getting cured, although I don't think he was speaking against cure, 
where we say that suffering is part of the human experience and that people uh, as being human learn to uh, experience suffering and learn to share that experience with others and to give uh, comfort and uh, be present uh, in friendship to other people. So he was uh, coming at both schooling and uh, health uh, from a very unusual perspective mm-hmm. and one that uh, uh, exhibited uh, humanity, uh, uh, something very fresh and something uh, very real. It, it, it avoided any uh, kind of um, formulaic or uh, kind of the, the, the standardized uh, statements and formulas that you might uh, pick up in your normal reading about topics yeah. like schooling. I mean, literally uh, tens of thousands of book, books are written on schooling and health, uh, but uh, Illich's books um, are, are, are interesting for the perspective that he sheds. And he's speaking about his sense of, of life and, and living life, uh, living one's life, uh, but he's doing it uh, by de- dealing with those very big conventional topics, but doing it in, in a way that I think um, hammers home and expresses his particular perspective on life, which I think is pretty unique. And it does seem like there is this sort of underlying vision of the good life um, that that animates uh, Illich's critique. Um, it's always struck me that he's he's known for the critique, but but there's a positive vision that's underlying that that he's striving for. Um, I, I've gathered in in speaking with um, with those who have known Illich that you can have his writings, uh, but there's something unique in the experience of uh, of the friendship with him that he was a dynamic individual um, and a remarkable personality. And I've been wanting to uh, maybe get at that a little bit, what doesn't come across in, in reading his texts, maybe some aspect of his personality that um, you think is especially worth uh, commenting on or, or, or remembering. Well, he was a very uh, warm and uh, very present, very uh, expressive uh, very open and welcoming. So he, he, he uh, valued friendship and he certainly expressed it and showed it and uh, was that in his encounters. At least his encounter. I think I perceived that with others and I perceived it with regard to myself. So um, uh, he was critiquing. I don't want to use that word. That's a kind of a academic term that is used quite extensively. So I would say that he's uh, uh, popping the, the bubbles of, of modern life, of progress, and he, he's coming at it from uh, a different perspective. He later uh, spoke, uh, at least with me, about his affection for the 12th century and the perspective it gave him on, uh, on the 20th century, on the modern world, in which we, which we were as we're talking about that. So uh, he's looking at, at the eternal, uh, patterns, the verities, friendship, um, and how one lives, the sharing of a meal, uh, the comforting people in, uh, 
difficult moments in life. So uh, there's a, uh, uh, a quality there that, is, that uh, catches your attention right away uh, because it, it, it seems very different than, uh, I'd say, uh, so much of life, uh, which in some ways is artificial or some way is just more mechanical or less engaged uh, at a human level. And Illich uh, was very much engaged as a person. And he was definitely uh, looking at the world from a very different point of view with different conclusions. Uh, he, he definitely was, was uh, writing in, a, in, in ways that criticized, that took apart, that uh, deconstructed uh, the modern assumptions, the assumptions on which everybody's life and way of life and everything we perceive are based. And he was undermining those assumptions to open up a, what he, he felt, and I believe, I, I agree with him, uh, was a much, uh, much fresher, much uh, an important uh, perspective that he had. So uh, when you stand back, uh, he had, he didn't have a, a, a rosy view of where the world was going, what was going on in the world. I would almost say that almost everything going on, uh, he found something wrong, something wrong with it. And at the end of the day, you say, well, what, what's left in the Illich world? It was friendship. Uh, it's the table, uh, the bottle of wine, the candle, the bowl of spaghetti, the friends, uh, the study, uh, the discipline study, and the sharing of, of, the, of the thoughts that come out of that. So if you're looking at the progress or you're looking at mechanical ease, uh, uh, faster transportation, even environmental technologies that make the world more sustainable, those were not things that he was uh, cheerleading at all. He was uh, down to the basics. You know, what, what are you doing in life? He's not asking what you're doing. He was, uh, his whole life was study, uh, was pursuing the ideas that he wrote about, uh, and he continued writing. Uh, his, his focus shifted from the modern world, the, the energy, the speed, the medical system, the school system. Uh, he, he shifted to uh, more study uh, of the past and of history uh, to get perspective on just what was going on in the modern world. And I think he thought the modern world had some very dark uh, aspects and underpinnings that were leading uh, certainly to catastrophe and would certainly lead one astray if you just followed uh, the normal allurements of ordinary lives. I think when I, when I first became aware of your friendship with him, uh, I had stumbled upon a transcript of um, the radio interview that you did on your show, We the People, in the mid-1990s. Um, he, he had, I think, recently written in the vineyard of the text, and um, this turn maybe towards um, an interest in, in technology uh, or media technology specifically, um, alphabetization uh, of knowledge, um, seems to have already been underway for some time. And 
I was I was struck by his focus on hospitality and friendship uh, along the lines you described there. Um, he he said in that interview, I I do think that if I had to choose one word to which hope can be tied, it is hospitality. Um, and I was really struck by that. I I, I find that very moving and compelling. Um, I I wonder maybe thinking back on that, if if uh, how how you think that that holds up. Um, we live in a, a very contentious age, obviously, and it may seem like something like hospitality is an inadequ- inadequate solution to um, our social ills. But but it seems like there's something there, something about recovering some awareness of our mutual humanity in this intimate encounter uh, across the threshold, as he says. Well, the title of one of his books, Celebrate Awareness, mm. uh, awareness of what where you are, where your feet are planted. What's in front of you? Uh, this is not something uh, revolutionary. I mean, Walt Whitman could say that. Uh, uh, Zen Buddhist might say that. Poet and naturalist. Uh, be aware. Mm-hmm. Uh, be here now. Different people uh, express this uh, presence in the face of nature and other people and and uh, everything that's around you as well as yourself, uh, he's saying, quote, be aware of that. And um, uh, so uh, I think in some places he described himself as an anarchist. I don't know if that's ever been written, but he certainly was not putting his hope in government structures. Mm -hmm. Certainly the example of medical nemesis and de-schooling or tools for conviviality. And certainly the, the critique that he, uh, there's that word again, uh, I'd rather try to use a different kind of word, but in his essay, uh, about needs, mm-hmm. the development dictionary, where he, uh, he wrote about uh, the, uh, uh, development and he, he, he framed it in a way that said development started with Harry Truman and his speech uh, heralding the development decade. And so Illich obviously was dubious, skeptical, uh, about whatever this development thing was. That was a plastic word, as his friend Uwe Perkson described in a book by the same name. And, uh, so uh, Illich is a, is a, is a strong, uh, strong medicine to contemporary uh, modern thinking. Or to conventional thinking. And that's where, uh, so hospitality is, is one of those, uh, traditional long-standing human activities that go back mm-hmm. uh, in all cultures. So uh, I think that is where, where he's, he's putting that out, uh, is a very important part of life. He himself was very hospitable. I spent had many a meal with him and was with him in many parts of the world. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's, that's something that he offered. And maybe that, uh, maybe that was his, his call. He was a, he was a priest and the, um, so he wasn't a, uh, engineer. Uh, he wasn't a, uh, you know, some guy who's going to make things or, sell things it's more like uh seeking the the spiritual life 
following the religious calling, and as he translates that in non-theological terms, it comes out to be hospitality, friendship, uh, the table. Uh, what you can do uh, with your own uh, two two arms and legs, your own hand, your own mm-hmm. eyes, what what is within your grasp, uh, as opposed to uh, charts and data and graphs, uh, summarizing at abstract levels uh, uh, many different human realities that are encapsulated by a data point. And he's uh, turning people away from that. And uh, the key point is not a collection of data, but your encounter with the person, uh, with the trees, with the animals, uh, with the food, uh, with your life. And that's, of course, accessible to everyone, rich or poor, uh, country or urban. It's all there. Uh, it's all available. So he's offering a way of life that is accessible. Uh, people talk today about equity and inclusion. And certainly he was uh, conceptualizing and describing and living a life that was equitable in that it was available to everyone and it was inclusionary because it included everyone has the potential for hospitality and friendship. Uh, so in that sense, it, it does offer a response to the ills and the, the uh, complaints and concerns uh, that are very insistent today, but it is a, it's a different way of looking at things and a different way to respond. Is that more of the stuff of uh, modern industrial society? It's getting away from the stuff and getting down to what you might say uh, more basics, getting down mm-hmm. to a more bedrock human existence, mm-hmm. which stands in the face of uh, the, the abstractions the images, the digital streams, the uh, the internet, the Facebook, uh, all the different uh, ways that information is flowing. And he would uh, not, he collected a lot of information because he read, he had a very large library in Cuernavaca uh, where he stayed in Ocotepec. Uh, but uh, it wasn't information. It was understanding um, different lives of people. And an example of that would be uh, his friend and longtime uh, collaborator, uh, uh, Valentina Baremos. She went around South America collecting devotional uh, books and pamphlets uh, and other kinds of uh, evidence of traditional uh, piety mm-hmm. and religious observance all of which were being thrown out in the wake of liberation theology, Vatican II, uh, where uh, the mass and uh, religious practice were being rationalized, were being standardized, uh, being universalized. Uh, He, uh, with his word convivial, uh, very much uh, gets at the local, uh, at place. He he distinguishes a place that space, which is abstract, but this place, he talked about dwelling as opposed to being garaged. So these are, are, are very down to earth, uh, ways of, of, uh, of looking and knowing and seeing 
that are accessible and that include everybody on the planet, as opposed to the, the pursuit of various uh, milestones that by their very nature are scarce in some way. You, 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 in pursuing education, it is a scarce uh, commodity if you look at the 7 billion people. Uh, the vast majority will not achieve a college education, um, collecting uh, more and more stuff. Uh, he would he would say that uh, he would see it not so much as the ecological damage, uh, but the human uh, impoverishment that uh, the, these, this kind of mammon uh, takes up in our lives. As if we have a, a loss of, um, we're de-skilled in a sense, uh, not with regards to how we might use uh, machinery, say, or, or um, skills that we might earn a living with, but, but um, social skills, the, the, the ability to uh, depend on one another, to provide from one another. Um, it was a kind of independence for the sake of interdependence, it seemed like, uh, seems like to me in reading his work. Well, I, I, I think he he makes a, a point of contingency and uh, gift mm-hmm. and uh, the, the life. Well, he didn't like the term life, for sure, uh, too general. But I, systems, planning, getting it all nailed down, uh, tightly buckled up. I, you know, he. The, the, the spontaneous, uh, the local, uh, the, the the working with your hand. He, he, uh, he one of the points that he was looking at uh, in later life. He talked about how the instrument, the tool. At one point, the hand and the tool were very much connected. You had to hold the hammer or a chisel uh, or other instruments that people used in earlier societies. But now our, our instruments and our tools, uh, are, are uh, they're separated from the human hand and the human mind. They're, it's artificial intelligence. It's the, uh, uh, par- uh the algorithm. Uh, all, this is a, a, a disembodying of the, uh, of the human experience. So he's calling people to, uh, to a more direct uh, encounter with life, and that can be rather primitive. Certainly, his life in, in uh, his uh, surroundings in uh, Okotepec were very simple. Uh, I don't even think he had a refrigerator, so he had to get eggs in the morning or tortillas, uh, dried vegetables or potatoes and things. Uh, but he had, but it was not like we're going to have a freezer with six months of food uh, or um, and I'm not sure of that, but but it's the idea more than the, the absolute fact. So in, in one sense, this is a very uh, primitive, primitivist kind of approach that is inconsistent with his flying around in jet planes uh, uh, with the use of it. He didn't even like it. At one point, he was against computers, and then all of a sudden, he got into uh, working with his computer quite extensively. But there, so this is a contradiction that never gets resolved. Uh, it's one thing to say, let's have a face to face, uh, kind of life. Let's do well in a place where there's memory, uh, there's 
of smells and and uh, sights that uh, I've been there for generations, so it's all part of a, a tradition. Well, that can get pretty stultifying and pretty hard to do in a modern uh, city like New York or uh, London. So there, there's limitations uh, to how much you can draw out of what he says, and you have to really reflect carefully on uh, not only what he says, what meaning you derive from it, but where do you take that? Mm-hmm. Where can you go with all that? And I think it is difficult to uh, redelich tools for conviviality. Don't go faster than 20 miles, five miles an hour. Uh, there's a logic there, uh, but where are you going to apply that in the world of jet travel and intercontinental ballistic missiles and uh, 5G internet and all the rest? Right. So that is the big question in the study village. What? Why? Where, where does it fit in? Mm-hmm. Or is the academics like, uh, how do you situate Illich? Where does he fit in, in the flow of, of thinkers? Uh, and then that would might be a more intellectual point of view, but then whatever, uh, you might draw for your own life and the life of your friends. Oh, what is here in Illich that can illuminate uh, your own situation? So in that sense, it's a personal. Uh, he's addressing you personally. Uh, but then, of course, there's standing back and say, uh, is there anything to be said here about society? Is there anything you can learn from Illich in that sense? And I, I do think Illich was a serious believer, not an institutional Catholic, but a believer. And um, he was very much alarmed by the, di- the 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 disappearance of the body as he saw it. Mm-hmm. The, uh, and that's why the, the fetal pictures, he didn't like taking the picture of the fetus before it's born, mm-hmm. uh, the graphics, uh, the, the whole representation of life through this data, through computer simulation. He was saying that the body... Uh, is the human body uh, is disappearing, and he, when his, uh, and I may not have this right, so it's more you can try it on and may have some possible values for reflection. That uh, Christ came to Earth uh, and became man. That's the incarnation. Man, God becomes flesh, but now where is flesh? It's the human genome. Uh, flesh is, 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 is really not there. It's, it's all this, it's all broken into these microscopic uh, patterns. Uh, he, I know, for example, like the immune system or even the word system. Uh, he, he was, uh, he, that definitely gave him pause. Uh, all kind of system, system thinking. He's not happy mm-hmm. with system. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, because he thought that the person-to-person encounter uh, was uh, was what had to be uh, thought about and addressed and reflected on. I asked him, I said, well, is this like I-thou? Is this the Martin Buber concept of I-thou? He said, well, uh, he preferred, he said, no, uh, Levinas. Uh, Levinas was the person you need to read if you want to understand 
the the, the, the approach. Mm. Uh, I think I was trying to ask him that I was trying to ask him about when I asked him about I Val and Martin Buber. Uh, but I picked up uh, Levinas and I had a hard time reading him. I must say I didn't get very far. I have a couple of books that I poured through, but he's dense. Uh, so is Martin Buber. But the idea of I, thou, and I is somewhat easy to grasp. I think he thought, I think if I remember right, he said, it's not, uh, you don't encounter the, uh, I'm not sure, but he, he had, that's something you might want to explore. What, what was his issue with the framing of I, thou? Yeah, so he wanted to see it, wanted to see it a little different mm-hmm. from, um, um, uh, maybe something to do with the I thou is, it's reciprocal between one person and another. And maybe he had maybe just pure generosity where you don't even think about yourself. I'm not sure, but I think that's, if you didn't do any research, take, I think that's worth looking at. That's interesting. The, yeah, the connection to Levinas I had not, um, heard before. And I, I think though that, um, discussion that he has on, on that show with you and uh, Carl Mitchum about, um, the gift that we make to the other in, in that interaction where we literally look at the, the eye, the pupil and see ourselves reflected. And, um, we are, our, our sense of self in a sense is a, is a gift from the other that is granted to us by the other and that, that reciprocity oh, relation. Yeah, you become aware by your encounter with someone else in a way that you wouldn't if it was just you alone. Yeah, right. So in that sense, uh, part of who you are or who you are is tied up very much with the other person that you're meeting. Yeah. And, and I wonder, um, so in a, in a setting where you were in, invited to the table with Yvonne, uh, what kind of, um, evening would that be? I wonder if you would just describe a little bit about what those kind of conversations were like. Um, what was it like to be a part well, of that? Well, Yvonne was all about study. You'd have a topic like the gaze, the human gaze, uh, like um, the instrument, uh, you know, the, the tool. The separate, he would pick things up where even like the text uh, where he noticed that it wasn't the paragraphing and the periods and the punctuation. It was just all run words by themselves and you had to read it aloud to make sense of it. That's what he says. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I can fully explain all that, but the, the, the meal with him, it would come after a day. I can remember being at Penn State on many occasions where you'd have 15, 20 people, a lot of Germans, a lot of people from around the country. Uh, and they would just have a meal. They would be talking in part about what, what, uh, has been occurring during the day. When he came to my building in Oakland, I had a building I called We the People Building. And we had something we called the Oakland Table. And we had a number of speakers and we did have a number of, of meals. Um, but generally it was just a, it wasn't a heavy intellectual Exchange. It was conversation, and he often he distinguished that communication. He thought was uh, computers communicate, but human beings have conversations, and that that's what it would be. It would be pretty pretty. Uh, uh, you know, that's what it is. It's a meal. 
uh, with friends. And I wouldn't say it was frivolous uh, in the sense that it was light-hearted, but it wasn't like talking about uh, uh, football scores yeah. or uh, uh, polling data mm-hmm. or the stock market or, you know, a new car. Uh, somehow it talked about things more basic. So it is very different than most of the conversations that I have. It was neither academic, nor was it uh, the normal kind of talk that mm-hmm. people have. And uh, I mean, I have a lot of conversations that uh, I think are somewhat informed. I speak to a lot of intelligent people, a lot of educated people, a lot of academics, writers. So yeah, it, 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 there's a seriousness about people well, because he, he's always on the quest of of the idea that he was working on. Hmm. Uh, so there'd be a topic, he'd be looking at something. Like uh, in, in at the Oakland table, one of the themes was proportionality. Uh, uh, and uh, what is proportionality? And he compared it to to um, uh, the, the the chord, the the, uh, the scales, and how uh, the modern scale is artificial, and the old scale. I mean, I can't even exactly explain it, but yeah. what he was looking at was to understand proportionality and um, the balance, mm-hmm. and that the good was tied up in that, and he distinguished values. Values uh, was not a, a word that he. Um, that he that resonated, you know, values could be anything, and it had a commercial uh, aspect to it that I don't think he liked. But he said the good, the good was something that uh, uh, people in a given village would recognize. They would know uh, from, uh, and that was tied up with proportionality. So that in the village, they would know you live in a certain place. Um, you know the the, the word he, he was talking a lot about ethnos, and ethnos came from uh, a Greek word uh, originally meaning gate, how you walked. So if you're from one village, maybe you walk in a certain way. That you have a certain ethnos, ethnos, a certain hmm. way, a culture, and uh, and that will set uh, before you uh, what is the good, and the good is that which. We should be seeking, uh, and it's not something that is as relative uh, as values. Hmm. And values, of course, have disvalues. So where all that goes, um, uh, I'll leave that to you to explain whether you can uh, draw anything out of it that you would find uh, useful or illuminating. Yeah, it, it, it is. There's a lot to think about there. And, and even just the approach... Um, to conversation that you described struck me that, that there is this um, this balance between the the inane and frivolous and but and the the highly intellectualized on the other but there's a uh, some middle ground and um, there, it occurred to me to say that there's a kind of art to that sort of conversation and that um, Yvonne seems to have been fond of this idea of the art of the art of yeah. living the art of suffering. Um, as opposed to maybe I don't know the the technique of uh, those things or approaching those in a different spirit. Well, I, I think it's all in his response, not all, but an aspect is his response to the 
mechanization of life, the standardization, the, maybe you might call it dehumanizing. So, uh, but it was also the seriousness. Uh, he wasn't goofing off. Uh, uh, I never, and he may have gone on vacations, but I never, uh, I think I heard Yvonne was going on vacation for two weeks. Mm-hmm. He didn't, that seemed like a very alien idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'd go visit people. He'd go to Bremen, Germany. He'd go to Penn State. Uh, he'd go to New York City. He'd go to Cornavaca. Um, and he'd travel to many other places. But he was always going somewhere. Uh, he was always as part of this conversation, this quest, uh, this collaboration that he was engaged in with his, with the people he surrounded himself with. Um, I, I was, um, one of the things I came across was your, your letter to the Times on the occasion of, um, the, the obituary that they published. Yeah. Of a village which um, does read yes. rather condescendingly and dismissively, um, and and I you talking about the New York Times? Yes, yes, New that's York right. Times. And I wrote a letter about it. Yeah, Did you know that? Is yes, that, about my letter. Are you talking yes. about? Yes, yes. No, your letter. That's right. Your your response to that obituary. Um, and, and I think I'd, I'd read some of your comments uh, right now uh, on We the People's homepage. Uh, your tribute to Illich is what, what is there on the landing page, and um, I had stumbled on that and, and subsequently, subsequently saw that letter. And I think it was there that I um, may have read that you were, you were with Illich. Um, is it in Florence, not long before yeah. he passed? Yeah. Um, what, what was uh, – I, I know that at that point in his life he was um, – had been suffering from – um, this growth that he did not have diagnosed or, or treated. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I'm just wondering if you might uh, talk a little bit about those last, uh, is, is that the last time you saw him? Uh, I think in Florence, that was the last time. Yeah, we had yeah. lunch there. We talked. And basically what I would do, I would fly over. So maybe I was going there for some other purpose, but I'd spend some time. Mm-hmm. So it was basically spend his life uh, talking with people. Uh, or writing and publishing. That's what he did. And understanding and then sharing that understanding with people. So, but his growth, uh, I don't know what it was. Some kind of a basal cell or some other kind of cell. And it's, I don't know that how serious it was, but it continued to grow. Probably could have got it out. I just had one taken off my nose eight days ago. So it's not that complicated, uh, the way people, but if you let it grow, it, it will continue. So it's different than if it was a cancer. Uh, it's not the kind of cancer like melanoma that spreads mm-hmm. and metastasizes. It grows very slowly, mm-hmm. like over years and years. Mm-hmm. And so that became, that's how it got bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know whether he, what that was all about, why he didn't uh, get it taken care of. He was in a, maybe because he's in Mexico or who, who knows what. I mean, it, that you have to read and yeah. find out from those who have written about his life what it was all about. He never talked about it. Mm. I know he didn't like to have pictures taken, mm. but I think in part that might be uh, a desire not to reduce life uh, to a thing. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, and I always relate it to when, when I was growing up, I remember most acutely. Uh, when my sister got married, 
I had two sisters, and they both got married, and they got married in the same church. Uh, there was no photographs. You don't, you took the, they waited outside, and they had to walk out, and as they got into what was the vestibule, so you have the, the church, have doors, glass doors usually, you walk out, and there's a vestibule, and then you walk out, and you're on the sidewalk, or you're on the, the next outside. And the photographers had to wait outside. They were not allowed on the altar. They were not allowed in the back of the church, even at a wedding. Mm-hmm. And now, of course, they have photographers that go right on the altar. And that still kind of, I find that irritating, mm-hmm. maybe because I was embedded with this idea that that which is serious and sacred should not be photographed. It should just be encountered. Um, so, uh, but Illich uh, didn't want any pictures. He didn't appear on television. In fact, he even said, uh, why don't you try a campaign where you don't appear on television? Well, that's a kind of a radical idea. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know how you would do that. You'd have to yeah. be in a tent or put a box over your head because they're going to chase after you. Mm. You must be on television. So that's an he'd have those interesting thoughts. Um, although he did do some radio shows with David Cayley. Mm-hmm. But that's unusual. Mm-hmm. He didn't like that. Yeah. I wonder maybe if I can um, just ask about how um, how Illich uh, sort of worked in your own mind and thinking in in political office in in terms of thinking about the the work of politics the work of governing um, policy uh, was Illich a useful sort of presence to have in your mind uh, in thinking through those things um, there's a lot that strikes one as being rather difficult to implement, uh, to say the least. In, in yeah, I, I wouldn't even think about implementation doesn't even seem, seem yeah. to be uh, a, a concept. Illich uh, was another world, a world like you might think of your family or your friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was insight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and certainly uh, schooling, uh, that, that you can think about schooling, but it certainly made me more skeptical of standardized tests, mm-hmm. routinized uh, programs, mm-hmm. and schedules, and courses. The idea that you break up learning into little packages mm-hmm. for a 45-minute presentation. Uh, I am skeptical of that, but that's the entire school system, although in various places uh, that's opened up and you have independent study and, and you can have uh, someone you work with, a teacher, um, that is different than that lockstep uh, classroom routine. Uh, but how you would apply medical nemesis, um, certainly I supported uh, uh, midwives and uh, people who did home birth. Uh, that we, we, I was there until we legalized uh, midwifery, at least nur- nurse midwifery. Now even lay midwifery is uh, approved in California. So, I mean, that certainly thinking of Yvonne Illich that gave me the, that thought. Uh, but these are not uh, programs. It's in the same way that I spent a lot of time at Green Gulch at the Zen Center. But how do you apply that? People often say, how does your experience of Zen meditation in Japan affect how you govern? And I, I'm not prepared to say. And these are different. Uh, you know, how does your relationship with your children or your wife uh, or your dog affect how you're going to deal with highway Mm -hmm. matters or uh, uh, prison policy or 
fishing game rules. So, uh, yeah, there, there's some connection, but you'll have to spend some time reflecting on what, what it might be. Not just for me, but for anybody. Yeah. He seems to have been um, pretty in, uh content to, to allow those sorts of things, a lot of latitude. In other words, to, it seems to have refused to kind of be prescriptive and, and say, this is what you must do based on my analysis and rather. Well, there's a lot of things. Well, he was prescriptive in the sense of a lot of things he didn't like. Uh, But he, he had a, he just had a fresh way of organizing material and what was, before him, and, and that made him very unique. Uh, most people are more um, repetitive. Uh, I don't want to, the word cliche comes to my mind, but the, the, not too many thoughts are fresh. And Illich had a lot of fresh thoughts, yeah. or at least uh, it, it was just a pleasure to be in his company mm. and to uh, listen and to uh, exchange thoughts with him. So that, that's what yeah. it was. And how you, what you want to do about that or yeah. what you can do with it. Uh, I'm sure there's plenty of room, plenty of things for you to figure out. Yeah. Yeah. That I can't, I can't match one for one. Sure. You know, it's conversation with an initiative as a mayor or, um, yeah, a mayor or a, uh, governor. Mm-hmm. It wasn't in my, Military school that I started when uh, that was going to work. Hmm. So, and, and I want to thank you, uh, Governor, as we approach the, the, the hour here. I, I want to thank you for your time and, um, any, any closing thoughts on your part? So I, I wonder if there's, um, something that, uh, if, if someone hasn't taken up, uh, Ivan Illich's work, um, how would you encourage them to take that up or, or what, what ideas were most critical to you or most valuable or anything along those lines? I would lines? say, uh, I think he had a very concerned perspective on where the world was going and it was not positive. I, I do think he had a, a catastrophic sense of what the modern world was doing. Now, what the catastrophe was, uh, I think it's more uh, of the human being being manipulated and losing uh, the quality of being a person uh, in the world. Mm. And that more and more uh, people are, taught, uh, are being thought of as populations. And uh, the, the, I think he might have said or associated with him, you, know, you have a population of uh microbes or bacteria in a test tube and you want to see how quickly it replicates for some scientific project. Uh, but he didn't like the, uh, in fact, I think in the development dictionary, which is an essay of, uh, the friends, uh, Yvonne and his friends, uh, there's an essay on population. And when you talk about a population, you're outside, you're grouping people, uh, you know, that's sociology, uh, that's, Manipulation, or that's, it, it is not human. It is not yeah. the, the personal encounter. So I think what he felt was that the world is going more and more to population management, uh, to resource management. And he felt that particularly in terms of the environment, 
the destruction of the environment uh, could not be prevented by management, that it would lead to more and more fascistic control, mm. that it would take a change of how we saw ourselves and how we lived in the world. And uh, I don't know that he ever wrote it out specifically, maybe tools would convey reality hints at it, but his perspective would be so radical and so impossible of acceptance that you have to look at it in a, in a way, maybe he's right, but the world is not going to follow that. You could maybe draw from, draw from it for yourself and your friends and how you live and what you do. But if you're going to say, uh, I'm looking for Illich for a prescription, what should we do in the world? What, what rule, what law, what do we do? Um, uh, and, and, that, and then people do criticize Illich of being, you know, a romantic, uh, wanting to go back in history, idealizing, uh, medieval type of living, uh, rural, uh, primitive lives, which weren't that happy at all. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of horror in, in these uh, primitive lives. Mm-hmm. So, uh, whether it all hangs together, I think that, I think is worthy of a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, Study. I mean, it's, he, he was such a fascinating talker and a speaker and a conversationalist that there wasn't a lot of room for, okay, let's analytically take it apart. Um, but that's something that I think is worth doing. Yeah. Although I think it's also worth doing just to understand what he was getting at, you know, what, what its limits, but what its, its, uh, what its opportunities are. What can you really get from the study of Illich? What, 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 what is there to be had? And at what level? Uh, so, um, I think, I think we have to end here with a question, not with a formula. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that would be very appropriate indeed. Thank you very much, Governor Brown. I really appreciate your time and, and, uh, your recollections of, uh, your time with Yvonne. I hope you can use it in some way. Definitely. Yes, we will.